When you start investing in stocks, you seek investment advice. When you seek investment advice, you go to the Internet. When you go to the Internet, you start believing all the wacky correlations spouted by armchair analysts. When you start believing those wacky correlations, you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh. When you start buying and selling stocks based on butter production in Bangladesh, you offend your lactose intolerant girlfriend, who in turn moves out. When your girlfriend moves out, you can't afford rent on your own because all your money is tied up in the stock market. When you can't afford rent on your own, you become homeless and alone. Thank you. Don't become homeless and alone. Get rid of financial advice from armchair analysts and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with... Jessica Thomas and Jennifer Thomas. I got y'all backwards that time. How's that? Okay that? <laughs> Just keep uh, everyone confused. Yeah, why not? Uh, the Thomas I. I think I was approved for saying, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. Uh, we have another question that is uh, from our good friend Ed Kelly, who often writes us. He's saying, uh, I, uh, I was trying to relate two examples of basic financial advice I'd heard over the years on your show to a, co- to a young couple. I'm wondering if you could refresh my memory. Uh, one relates to the dollar cost averaging and market timing. Uh, it was a surprising statistic on missing the 10 or 20, et cetera, best days of the market while trying to time the market and how huge the difference was if you were not in the market. Uh, The other was an example of starting your saving early. That is always an awesome thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It was an example of two high school graduates. One started at 18 and put $2,000 away every year, but then quit at age 28. Uh, The other guy didn't uh, start saving until he was 28 and then began putting $2,000 away every year. Uh, assuming an exactly equal return on both their accounts, uh, the one who started at 18 had more money when uh, they reached 65. Am I m- remembering this correctly? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, so there's a couple of things. And, Jennifer, uh, if you want to run with that. Sure. Um, with with looking at missing uh, the so many best days, one of the examples that we have is uh, from 1997 to 2016, if you missed um, the 40 best days in the market during that 10-year period of time, if you had invested, uh, I believe it's $2,000. A thousand dollars. Sorry. Yeah. So if you put in a thousand dollars and if you had invested that into stocks, you would have 4,408 dollars and 74 cents that's if you were invested the entire period of time if you missed just the 40 best days out of 5,218 days you would have 423 dollars and 95 cents now let's think about this too that that's got two significant downturns in that period of time 1997 through 2016 that is the burst of the the tech bubble Right. As well as the mm-hmm. decline, 52% decline from October of 07 through mm-hmm. March of 09. And uh, you're you're saying that staying invested helps you so much more than trying to time the market and jump in and out. Well, you have you to make those 40 best days. You have to make two correct decisions. You have to make the decision to, at the right time to get out. 
right. and you have to make the decision of the right time to get back in. And it's very difficult to do that. You right. know, that's why we look at if you don't need the money in the next 10 years, sure. you should just stay invested. Yep. And the reason 10 years, uh, we've got statistics back to 1925 that show the S&P 500's annualized average return 10.6%. Now, 25, think about that. That's the Great Depression and that decline. Uh, as well as World War II, uh, the impeachment of a president. We've got various things going on uh, during that period that uh, were definitely not positives for the market. So uh, when we last left, we were in the middle of answering Mr. Ed Kelly's question. Let me, I'm going to paraphrase real quick. Uh, the first one which we've actually answered was uh, um, just uh, what difference does it make to yeah, what was the question? If you miss the, yeah, the miss best the, days in the market. Right. So we talked about that. You miss the, the best 40 days in the market, and you lose significantly on mm-hmm. the gains. Uh, and, and that was a 10-year a period from, what, 90 or a 15-year period, 96 through uh, was 2016. A, yeah. So 20-year period. Sorry. Right, 20-year. Yeah, my math is off a little bit today, but 20-year uh, period. It's only what we do for a living. Uh, math? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got my shoes on today. So uh, I can't count beyond 10, and uh, that number just blew me out of the water. Anyway, yeah. uh, the other piece was uh, the the starting to save at an early age, and what a difference that makes. And, Jennifer, we've got some stats on that. And uh, Correct. The example with- that we use is slightly different than the one um, that he indicated, but just to give you an idea, I'm using a 10% annual return. Um, if, you, if you had a... a teenager that was babysitting or mowing yards or doing some work where they could um, contribute to an IRA um, and they could do $5,500 a year if they started at age 14 through 18, so it's five years, and they contributed $5,500 for those five years and then never invested anything else. At the end, or at age 65, they would have $2,961,500. Now, the second example is if you have somebody that waits then until they're age 22 and they invest until they're 28, so that's seven years, they do the same $5,500 a year for those seven years at a 10% return. At age 65, they would have $1,774,000. Three hundred and seven dollars. Pretty significant. That's difference. more than a million dollars worth of difference, and you only invested, you know, an additional five thousand five hundred dollars two years. Uh, then, if you have somebody who waits until they're forty-five, and in this case they invest the five thousand five hundred until they turn fifty, and then they invest six thousand five hundred because they have the catch-up availability. And they do that until they're 65, so they're doing it for 21 years. At the end of 21 years, they would have $387,963. Wow, and that's yeah. all with a 10% return Correct. on their investment. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's powerful. It tells mm-hmm. you precisely just how uh, how important it is. Uh, to start investing early. Uh, it's the compounding effect of you investing that money early. And, you know, we used to say money would double every six to seven years. I mean, even if you say eight or nine years, it's not the first doubling or the second doubling or the it's, you know, it's when you get into the third and fourth doubling right. of those where you get the powerful 
Yeah, making a huge difference Correct. In, the, in the assets that you uh, you have saved for retirement or whatever purpose. Who knows? Mm-hmm. To leave to the next generation. Uh, all right, Jennifer, I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, Mr. Kelly, hopefully that answers your question. And uh, we're going to move on to Chrissy and Ron from Atlanta who say after tax reform, is there still a tax benefit to home ownership? We've been saving for about a year. And it would be probably at least another year before we'd be ready to buy. Uh, we just want to know that this is a goal still worth attaining. Uh, Jesse, I think you had an opinion on that. One thing that I would say is you, you keep hanging around, and uh, while interest rates are still historically low, they just you can still keep climbing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I will give the most CPA answer and say it does depend, you know, <laughs> on the house you buy and factors outside of the tax law. But in terms of the tax law, there are still benefits. They um, are slightly different than they were before, but you would still get your mortgage interest deduction um, for homes less than $750,000. You still get your real estate property taxes, given that for married filing jointly, your taxes are limited for the deduction to $10,000 a year, $5,000 for single. And so... It, there is a slight decrease in what the benefit is available year to year on your Schedule A itemized deductions if you are able to itemize. But the real benefit comes from if your home grows in value. Sure. In the new tax law, they did not get rid of the capital gain exclusion, which means that if you live in your home for more than two years and you sell it for a game, you can exclude up to $500,000 of that game from your taxable income if you're married or 250000 if you are single. So in that way, it, there is still really a benefit if you see a market that you believe your home is going to continue to increase in value. Yeah, so short answer is yes. Uh, you fleshed out why. Uh, you know what? Uh, I know a lot of folks said that we have had, have this uh, change in consumer tastes with millennials not buying houses. They prefer more to rent. But uh, I think what we've been seeing lately is a little more um, – uh, household formation, which is usually a good indication for uh, economic growth uh, among the millennials, as well as we've seen more uh, millennials buying houses. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there were a lot of things that were talked about, uh, one of which was the fact that there was so much debt uh, built up within uh, within millennials just getting their education. Uh, we talked about that last week, actually, and, and how... Uh, Young folks are borrowing so much money just to get through college as often as not for things besides tuition and just getting through. It was uh, it was cool digs, making sure that you had enough money to to have you an awesome uh, apartment or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to me. Yes. You're laughing yes. at me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm <laughs> cool old. Digs. <laughs> digs. Yeah. yeah. That's, but that's Jess, the, Jesse's a millennial a who millennial. bought her first house. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know that's the that's the thing. I think, uh, you know, while not you can't really paint with that broad a brush. No. <laughs> uh, we are starting to see uh, significant changes in in what we initially thought were um, millennial tastes, uh, but home ownership is one, and I don't believe that uh, that it's a point to be missed uh, when you start seeing the new home uh, mm-hmm. prices on new homes are declining, which means that. 
uh, home builders are actually building houses at a lower price point. Maybe that starter home that used to be a, a prevalent thing. Um, but home ownership has changed so significantly from, you know, post-World War II. It used to be that you would buy the house you could afford. And then, you know, some of these old houses that were built in the 40s, you'll see them. They've got 13 different attachments that uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that made a, a much bigger house. Right. Um, and, and these days, we just start with this huge, massive McMansion and that's the way everybody has decided that's world's supposed to go, right? But um, anyway, it's it's interesting to to hear your take on the fact that. Uh, well, I think we a lot of them, and I think a lot of the mini- millennials grew up, you know, when we did have the last, um, you you know, really downturn, and you had the housing right. crash, and you know, and people weren't moving because they could, you know, they couldn't get out of their houses and um you know so i think that a lot of affected the mentality of that now that things have gotten better in the economy and they're you know people are back above water but you know i think they saw a lot of scary things with their parents losing jobs and you know there was a lot of things that happened that yeah so it could be that 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 uh, has formed them into a a little more risk averse uh, generation Mm -hmm. right and again i think it's probably tough to paint with such a broad brush yeah and uh, i do think locally i think part of it is due to the fact that especially in the city of atlanta rent is increasing so if you can find that cheaper option yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's always a, a good thing. So uh, last thing, Jesse, you got to tell us market up or down next week, quick. I'm digging up. All right, cool. You know me, broken record, Jennifer. What do you think? I'm going up. All right, well you heard it. Market's up next week. We're listening to Money Talks. Thanks for listening. See you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.